Hello, this is John Kramer, and this is a re-recording of the Q&A session I did earlier today. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't record, so I have to redo it. Um, so I apologize for that. I had a problem with uh, meeting for some reason uh, this afternoon. Uh, I guess they had some sort of bugaboo, or my my web service had some sort of bugaboo. But anyway, let's start by answering some of the questions that came in. So uh, one of the questions was, what are the pros and cons of an exclusive book distribution deal with a company like Small Press United? This was asked by Judah. And my main answer for that is that it's the pros are that you get better distribution, generally speaking, with an exclusive distribution deal. They'll get you into more bookstores uh, than you would on your own or passively through different wholesalers that you might use. So that's probably the main advantage. The disadvantage is that you give up a little bit more of the piece of the action. So your cut of the uh, net sale is a little bit bit smaller. And... um, If the exclusive deal goes bad, let's say that the distributor doesn't perform well for you, then, of course, that causes a problem for you because you have lost sales and you probably tied yourself into an exclusive deal with the distributor for at least six months and probably a year or more. So the two main disadvantages is a smaller cut of the action and also that you might have a bad uh, experience with that distributor. Now, Judah went on and sent me an email to ask me some more questions on that. He says, my my concerns include that I've heard horror stories of books getting poor performance under exclusive distribution deals, giving the publisher no recourse. Also, I'm unsure if SBU reaches the MBS market or if their library and academic distribution is good. I further need to pin down whether an an SBU contract would prohibit distribution deals for other countries and continents. Uh, His latest book, he thinks, has a global market. Now, my answer to him by email, and I'll give the answer here too, is for your concerns and questions that you voiced in the above uh, email, You have to do your due diligence. You know, I don't have a specific answer for it. I would do the same thing I'm recommending he do. Ask the SBU client publishers, you know, get the names of three or four publishers, call them up and ask what their experience has been uh, with SBU in terms of poor performance. Have they had that experience or are they happy with SBU? Uh, Whether SBU reaches the MBS market, you could ask them. Of course, you can ask uh, SBU directly, and hopefully they'd be able to answer you honestly. And you could also ask the client publishers if their library and academic distribution is satisfactory. Is it good or not? Uh, As for, and you could also ask them whether you can do deals in other countries. But, uh, you know, the first three concerns should be answered by other client publishers. But 
to find out whether or not you can do deals in other uh, countries, that should be stated in your actual contract. So you can read the contract and uh, find an answer whether or not the uh, international distribution is included in SBU services. Or if the uh, contract is unclear, then negotiate the contract to make that point clear. Remember that any contract offer that that you're given by somebody, whether it's an agent, a wholesaler, or distributor, is always negotiable. Now, the distributor is probably going to be negotiating from a stronger point than you are, but it's still perfectly legitimate for you to ask, hey, you know, what is your services? Uh, This part of the contract I'm not comfortable with. Can we restate it in these ways? And consider it a negotiation and see what happens. Generally speaking, you should get at least one or two points um, more clarified, if nothing else, and possibly even better in terms of the terms that are offered to you as a publisher. Now, a second question that came up is, Uh, From Dan, he said, I'm frustrated with policies and revenues at many online booksellers. So without abandoning abandoning them, I'm investigating several ways to sell directly and mostly directly audiobooks, signed books, downloaded ebooks, short stories, etc. And I agree that you can easily sell directly on your website using Uh, a store technology, e-commerce store technology like Shopify, or using PayPal links and buttons. PayPal allows payments direct via PayPal or via credit cards. It's relatively easy to set up payments via PayPal, um, but I still, you know, and I do that. I have... uh, service of my book, uh, if you want to buy directly from me, you can buy through a PayPal link. And I'm happy to offer um, not only my book that way, but also my services and so on. But I also would favor selling via Amazon and other online booksellers because they offer additional opportunities for people to discover your book. If you have a store only on your website, you have to push awareness of your website via ads, publicity, and other promotion. But if you have your book also on the different online booksellers like Amazon, then you have a chance to get more uh, people to find out about your book because as they're browsing, you know, they discover your book. Maybe they put in a keyword that Uh, Amazon says, well, your book answers that particular keyword. Now, the other advantage of doing Amazon is that you can advertise directly on Amazon, and that has a a good value. Advertising on Amazon can allow you to target your audience, the readers you want to reach, very, very specifically. You can target by keywords. Say you have a paranormal uh, romance novel. And so you target it as paranormal romance novel or historical romance novel or uh, management, business management book, something like that. 
the more you target it, the better. But you can also target by uh, competitive authors, authors who have written books similar to what you've written. And so you can have your ads appear on their book listings. I have some uh, people that advertise their books about book marketing on my 1,001 Ways to Market Your Books page on Amazon. And I'm, I'm comfortable with that because I know I have the best book in the market. So, you know, if people want to buy some other book, uh, a lesser book, uh, they can. My book is very comprehensive. Uh, and so I'm very comfortable with that. Now, you can advertise against an author's name or the title of a book. So say your book is um, a, a book on sort of similar to in, in Pursuit of Excellence. Then you could type, uh, you know, you could have those keywords in Pursuit of Excellence. And that would get you the, uh, to be featured on the page on Amazon for the book In Pursuit of Excellence. You can do this for romance novels that are similar to yours. So if you, ha if you have a paranormal uh, romance novel, then you could uh, advertise on other paranormal um, romance novels on Amazon. And you can actually advertise against those titles. Obviously, if you're writing paranormal uh, or you know, other kinds of romance novels, you should know your competitors. You should know, have a, at least a reasonable idea of who your competitors are, what other people are that are your potential readers, what are they reading right now? And that's an advantage to you to advertise against those novels. Now, I always start off with a, a fairly low bid. I might go 10 cents or 25 cents and see if I get any sales. Now, you may have to pay more for a click-through for them to see your, um, your book and the book listing on Amazon. You may have to pay up to a dollar. Even in some cases with competition, for some keywords, you may have to pay two or three dollars. Now, the reality is, if you're paying two or three dollars for a click for them to see your book, chances are it's not going to work for you. Uh, but maybe a dollar would if you have enough sales that come through that. But you can test all that. You can test your pricing. You can change your price at any time. Uh, you know what you're bidding uh, for that particular ad and that click. Amazon pays by exposure or by click. And I was always want to pay by click because I want them to at least go to my book listing and see my book and be able to read about it and make a decision of whether or not they want to buy it. So that's something you can do. The neat thing is that if you really target the people very specifically and you find keywords that really work and uh, convert that means that people actually buy your book at a click-through rate that may, allows you to make money. In other words, if you're charging, you know, you're bidding a dollar a click, you have to probably make uh, at least one book sale in the first three or four clicks, or you're not going to make enough money. 
especially if you have an ebook only. But if you have a print book and your print book is twenty dollars, then you and you're giving Amazon fifty to fifty-five percent, you still have a chance to make something on it. If if you click cost you, uh, you know, one out of four clicks, you know, actually buys your book. Once you test it and you really find something that works for you, you've got a printing machine for money. Because if it's working, you're making money. You're maybe not making a lot. Let's say that you're only getting one out of four clicks where they buy. That might not make you enough to make it worthwhile in some way, but you're probably still making money. But let's say that you get it... uh, Two people out of every four clicks starts to buy your book. Then you got a printing machine. You're starting to make money. And that can be really valuable. You can do the same kind of testing with Facebook ads, Twitter ads, LinkedIn ads, etc. But generally speaking, those are not going to be that useful for you because it's, it's a little bit harder to target the titles of books, the authors that you're competing with, and possibly even the keywords that you want to use in a way that you're actually targeting readers of books. On Amazon, you know that the people that are looking at books are book readers. They're looking for things that will either help them or entertain them or give them a great thrill, whatever it might be. So that's my advice on uh, online marketing in terms of Amazon. I'd encourage you all to test Amazon ads, uh, even if you only have one book on Amazon. See if it works. There are a lot of people that are making money on Amazon by advertising on Amazon. And again, it's a matter of testing price points, you know, what you're going to bid and, you know, Uh, testing the keywords that produce results. And you can measure that. You can actually, you know, figure out ways to buy the ads that allow you to target the readers you want and actually test to see if that particular keyword or keywords uh, produces results for you. For example, I might do one ad campaign that's just uh, the names of book authors related to me and see if that produces results. I might do the same for uh, five or 10 book titles that I think that the readers of those books would like my book as well. And I might do a a third ad campaign where I'm doing uh, some keyword testing. And again, uh, some people, they say, you know, you should list like 20 or 100 keywords I'm not sure that that always works because you can't tell which keyword is producing the results. But if you're doing five or 10 keywords, you can start to sort of guess which keywords are working. And you can, you know, again, uh, um, take off some keywords, add some other keywords that you think might work. Might work. And when I say keywords, I'm talking about uh, a word or an expression. So it might be three or four words that are part of your keyword. For example, if I were uh, advertising a thousand and one ways to market your books, I might have book marketing tips as a keyword, book marketing questions, uh, book marketing success stories, things like that, that if people click on those, 
uh, keywords or they type them into the search engine on Amazon, because Amazon is a search engine as much as anything else, that allows you to start to test the keywords that you think might produce the results you want. And by that, I mean that you sell enough books that you're making money every time, uh, you know, you do the advertising campaign. And again, you can keep an advertising campaign up for uh, a week, two weeks, two months, three years, whatever it might be. If it's working, you keep it up for as, for as long as you can because it's producing results. You're making money. Okay. <clears throat> Now, I got another question. This is from Richard. <clears throat> he has a, a question where he, he said, you know, how do you market to an odd genre? For example, his genre is he has a series of political novels that deal with public policies, government reforms, with a little romance. It's a cross between the movie The American President and the hit TV series, The West Wing. So now, right away, you can see what he could be doing in terms of keywords uh, in an Amazon ad. The American President, The West Wing, things like that. If people like those, they might like his book. The first book in the series is now on pre-order on Amazon Kindle. So the thing is, you want to target readers and book buyers via Amazon ads and that's probably, again, the key thing you have to do with an odd genre. In this case, political romance. But I happened to type in uh, in a search in the original Q&A, and I found out that there are a lot of different uh, websites that feature the top 10 or the top 100 political romance novels. Who knew there were that many romance novels dealing with politics uh, to create a list of 100? Uh, I could have thought that there would be 10, but there were, in a number of cases, a, a list of 100 or more. Now, what I would do in that case, you know, so I'm searching on the key word in my, my favorite search engine, in my case, DuckDuckGo, but you could do it in Google or Bing if you wanted to. I searched under, again, political romance novels. Now, you could also do political romances or um, romance novelists, uh, novels on politics or something like that. You could change up the keywords a little bit and see what you find. Now, in the, my case, I, I searched and found about 30 listings right away. You know, I scanned through three pages of the uh, search results and I found about eight to 10 websites that I would want to contact people that already wrote an article about political romance novels and their favorite ones, you might email them and say, hey, how about adding number 11 or number 74 uh, on your list with my romance novel? I'd be happy to send you a re review copy to check it out. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I'm getting dry. So you could be, you know, but on on those, you know, I found, again, seven or eight. There were, you know, Amazon pages showing up. And apparently there was um, 
a novel back in the 1700s called a political romance novel. So, you know, you don't want to connect with that because there's nobody behind it now living. But the people that compiling list of political romance novels, I'd contact every one of them and suggest that they add my book to it. Many of them probably would because they like to make their uh, list comprehensive. They might want to encourage people to read more books on political romance novels. So that would be one thing that I would do um, <clears throat> is connect with those people. There were people that compiled lists on their websites for that. Uh, some specific websites that simply compiled it as an article uh, directly. But there were also a number of Goodreads lists about political romance novels. And again, I would approach each one of those Goodreads uh, personalities and ask them if they would add my book to their list. Many of them would be happy to do it, especially if you send them a free copy, an ebook copy. Now, you know, so that's one thing that I would do definitely. I would try Amazon ads for political romance novels and related ones. I would try to find out some of the top romance novels, which again, I can do through a, a, a search on any of the uh, search engines and find out uh, the top 10 or top 100 political romance novels. Now, I would want to contact some of those other writers of political romance novels and say, hey, would you like to do a co-promotion where we, uh, you know, maybe appear on a number of podcasts together to talk about political romances? It could be a, a very effective way to do it. Sometimes somebody may not want to, you know, just interview one author uh, for one book, but if they have two or three authors pitching them uh, to do a joint interview, they'll go, hey, that should be interesting, and contact you and book you on their podcast, in their blog post, etc. Now, a third thing that you could do online, of course, is create your own list of the top uh, 15 political romance novels of 2022, something like that. Again, of course, in that list will be your novel, perhaps at the top of the list, perhaps somewhere in the middle of the list. So chances are that whoever discovers your list, and hopefully it's going to show up pretty high in a Google search, that gives you the opportunity to uh, get your your book in front of a lot of people's eyes, as you as you may have uh, gandered, I guess you could say, by my search, at least uh, in the first three pages, there were probably ten or fifteen of the results were top ten, top seventy, top one hundred political romance novels. So if you create a list of the top 15 romance novels of 2022, chances are you're going to show up pretty high in any search results on any of the search engines, and that could really help with your book. Now, so that that's my answer to what do you do if you have an odd genre, is that you'll be surprised the genre isn't as odd as you think it is. Uh, even political romance novel you'd be surprised. 
And if you had a political steampunk romance novel, boy, you're you're golden because you're probably the only one that has a novel like that. And you could be appealing to political romance novels and steam steampunk romance novels or time travel romance novels if you know if you had a political uh, romance novel that involved time travel. So there's different ways that you can do that that could make a real impact. And certainly if I had a time travel novel, you know, I would want to connect with um, any of the top uh, time, uh, time travel novels, including that one, and I'm going blank on the name now. It uh, was made into a TV series on stars. Um, ah, I'm just going blank on that now. Uh, something like Outsiders or, nah, I know that's not it. But, you know, you can get, you can search for it. You'll find it real quick if you do time travel romance um, TV series on star uh, stars. And you'd find it right away. So, anyway, there was also a question about, um, somebody wrote, I hate social media. It's just too toxic. Uh, so, I don't promote it all on social media. Uh, so, what can I do? And again, you know, the first thing I would do is get get out of that concept that talk, uh, social media is toxic. Because the reality is you can promote on any social media without getting involved at all in that toxic nature of that particular social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. So what you do is, you know, in most cases, you can promote on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, etc., without ever visiting the website. So you don't get exposed at all to whatever toxicity might be there. You simply promote your novel to potential readers. Again, using the keywords that will help people that are on Facebook or uh, Pinterest or uh, TikTok, whatever it might be, uh, Bookstagram, which is a specific subset of Instagram, that you know, if you use the right keywords, they're going to discover your novel. I've had that happen a lot on Pinterest. Pinterest is my favorite social network. Um, if you've ever listened to me speak, I, I, I actually have a course on how to market on Pinterest. The thing is that Pinterest is so easy and it drives. I get about 750,000 to 1 million ex views or exposure on Pinterest every month. I get somewhere between two and 5,000 uh, click-throughs to one of my websites on the basis of the pins that I have on Pinterest. So I like it. It drives traffic, you know. So to me, it's, it's a gold mine. Uh, I don't find the same experience with Facebook, Twitter, etc. But I still pin, you know, I, I still tweet on Twitter. I still put, put posts on Facebook. I still post on LinkedIn. I still post on TikTok, Instagram, etc. Because you just never know how somebody will discover you. But I don't spend, you know, I spend maybe five minutes a day on social media. And generally speaking, that's on Facebook because I'm reading about my nieces and nephews and sisters and so on. But I'm not spending much time looking at other things. That's my way of using social media. I use it mainly to post, you know, things that I think 
my target audience would like. So I do writing quotes. I do uh, quotes on, you know, reading. I certainly post my podcast episodes and so on. So I get some exposure to people for my different content that potentially drives people back. But I don't spend a lot of time on those social media. Uh, every once in a while, I'll go to Pinterest and do an, you know, a curious search about something. Uh, on Twitter, every once in a while, I'll scan my uh, Twitter feed. Uh, same with Facebook. I might scan and see what uh, people are posting because I'm curious. And I also want to discover, you know, is there a writer out there that's doing well with Facebook or Pinterest or LinkedIn or TikTok? And some people are. So I like to feature their experiences. And, and I have done that. I featured, for example, an interview. And you can see it uh, in uh, if you go to my main uh, bookmarketing.substack.com and you search for a TikTok interview or something like that, you should find it. And, you know, that's a great way to do it. So I think that's one of the best ways to market online is still to do the social media, especially Pinterest. But uh, I wouldn't give up on uh, Twitter and so on. And I'd also use videos on YouTube, Rumble, and Vimeo. Those are the three top uh, video websites out there. And that can also help you. Also, for those of you who are marketing online, there are, again, the, the tools of advertising, especially on Amazon, the tools of finding websites that are featuring your kind of content already, already have the ready-made audience for steampunk romance novels. You'd be surprised. I think there's probably five or ten websites devoted to steampunk romance novels. You know, so you'd be surprised and you do the search, you go find people that are interested in your topic, no matter how odd you think your topic is or how small you think your audience is. You'll be surprised. There are websites. I mean, there are, what is it? There's got to be 20 million websites out there now. Uh, there are about uh, 5 million active podcasts out there. These people are looking for the kind of content that you can do. Now, I would recommend that you get on podcast, you get interviewed on podcast. And there's two great resources for that that I like, that they're my favorite resources. The one is matchmaker.fm. Matchmaker.fm. You go there and one, you can find people to interview for your podcast or your Facebook Live videos or whatever you want. Uh, so you can interview people. You can find people that are probably targeting the same audience as you are and maybe have something to offer that will be a great uh, blog post or podcast for yourself. But on the other side, you can actually have a listing on matchmaker.fm as a creator, as somebody who's looking to be interviewed. The neat thing about that is not only do they can they find out more about you, especially if you include the right keywords for your book, so political romance novel, things like that, and you, you know, romance novel with lots of politics attached or something like that. 
Now, that can be very effective for, uh, you know, reaching out and getting interviewed on podcasts. I found some incredibly great people on there to interview for my podcast in previous episodes. And I have uh, one or two coming up in the next uh, week or so, uh, people that I'm going to be interviewing. And I think they have something to offer to you as a listener of my podcast. So Matchmaker FM, it's great. And one key tip, when you do a listing for your particular, uh, you know, saying, you know, I'd love to be interviewed by different, you know, podcasts on a match, uh, you know, matchmaker.fm, they let you link to 10 different places that feature you. It could be your Amazon page. It could be, uh, you know, a couple of links to different pages on your website. It could be your Facebook profile, your LinkedIn profile, your Instagram Instagram profile, or even your buy me a coffee uh, profile, or your Venmo profile, or your Patreon profile, or where you know people might donate to you. That's a really neat kind of way to get exposure. Uh, I would have ten links there, even if it's you know seven links to different pages on my website. If I don't have a lot of social media. But if I do, I, I'm going to send them to my Pinterest profile, my Instagram profile, etc. I like to do that. And it's an incredible way to start to get your keywords spread out there in, in many ways. For example, I have a lot of social media profiles where my name or book marketing or book marketing success are part of my profile. In fact, if you want to go to buy me a coffee forward slash book marketing, you can buy me a coffee. If you want to go to uh, patreon.com forward slash book marketing, you can uh, donate some money to me, become a patron. Um, you can go to snipfeed.co forward slash book marketing and interact with uh, a number of offers I have on snipfeed. So you can sort of get the idea of one of the things I do in marketing online is I try to own the keyword for book marketing. So I even have a Facebook group called uh, book, uh, you know, facebook.com forward slash book marketing success stories. And, you know, so I'm always working to see how I can bring book marketing into what I'm doing. And in fact, in, in, you know, in my Substack, it's bookmarketing.substack.com. That's my handle for my newsletter as well as my podcast. So my podcast is called Book Marketing Success Podcast. So I try to own my keyword in any way I can. You can do the same thing online. Multiply yourself in the different social media with your keyword. You can also do your name. You can do both if you want. And, you know, that can be a very effective way to help people to discover you online. And possibly, who, who knows, they may buy you a cup of coffee if you have a profile on buymeacupofcoffee.com. Things like that can really be effective. Now, another thing that you can do, 
that's yeah. I had the thought and now it's going blank on me. But basically, you can take the time to create things on your website. Hopefully, your website is keyword related. If your website is, you know, John Kramer, uh, you know, dot com, unless they know your name, they're not going to discover your book necessarily. But if you do a lot of posts about your book, featuring your keywords, even if your domain name isn't something like mine, bookmarketingsuccess.com, you could have something like johnkramer.com forward slash book marketing tips for November 2022 or whatever it might be. You know, you can pick different things. So you could have multiple pages on your website with your keyword book marketing there so people could find you. You may also want to do uh, own some keywords that are related. So maybe uh, you have some articles on self-publishing in my case, or, um, you know, my favorite books to read or something like that. So that you give people, a, you know, a number of different ways that they may discover you online because you have keywords for different uh, things that may help people to discover you. I have a lot of writing quotes, for example, on my bookmarketingsuccess.com uh, website because I figure people are interested in writing quotes. They might be interested or have already published a book, and therefore they're my target audience for teaching people about book marketing, uh, consulting with them, etc. So you give an opportunity to do it in multiple ways where you use keywords in your um, different articles that you post. Or, for example, like I'm doing with my podcast, I always try to use keywords in the title or the subtitle of that podcast episode. This episode is going to be Book Marketing Q&A with John Kramer, December 2022. There'll be a subtitle that also sort of repeats some of that content. So that people that are looking for book marketing in... Um, you know, any of the different websites, they can find it. The neat thing about um, podcasting is that you can syndicate your podcast to, a, you know, 40 or 50 different websites. And I'm going to release a, a ebook about that very soon, uh, telling you step-by-step step how to get listed in about 40 or 50 different websites that uh, compile uh, podcasts that people might be interested in, or podcast episodes, etc. So you can be featured, for example, on Apple uh, uh, podcast, on uh, Amazon podcast, on Audible, uh, you know, and a number of different other places. And so there's a great opportunity there for you to get a lot of exposure to get yourself out there in multiple, multiple ways. I haven't, you know, besides my book marketing uh, success podcast, I also have a podcast called Five Things I Love About Books. Now, that particular podcast, I feature two ways that, that you as an author could get featured on that podcast. And that podcast actually goes out to 800 uh, independent bookstores, over 800 independent bookstores, and also 
you know, gets multiple reach through, again, being syndicated to 40 different websites. And, you know, readers that love books are, are signing up for the podcast as well. So it's a really neat kind of thing. Now, one way that you can be featured on that podcast, I feature quotes about reading uh, or about books and the value of reading or the value of books. So if you send me a quote about what you find valuable about reading or about books, I can feature that quote if I like the quote, if it's a good quote, and feature a link to your website. I cannot feature you with a, a link to Amazon because, remember, this is going to independent bookstores. That's the primary audience for this podcast. Independent bookstores would unsubscribe in mass exodus, ex, ex, <laughs> exodus <laughs> if I featured Amazon links in that particular podcast. So I don't. Uh, but I will link to your website or your uh, website book page uh, because that can be valuable. So, you know, that's one way you can get featured. A second way is you can buy my uh, independent uh, bookstore promo package. It's $200. You get a great write-up that you can use on your website and social media, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it will also be featured and sent out to those 800 bookstores as well as a lot of other readers and get syndicated again to those 40 or 50 websites that are syndicating my podcast. Now, so you get two values out of that. One is you get a great write-up uh, that bookstore uh, would respond to because I actually say five things I love about this book and the five things are not, you know, this book will you know, um, what, uh, this book is about XXX. I will do a description about the book, but the five things I love about your book are things like it's related to five other best-selling books. It's uh, already uh, sold reprint rights as a paperback. It's uh, gotten foreign interest. It's gotten national publicity things like that, because that's what booksellers are interested in, is what are you doing to promote your book? And I, I create a great write-up for your book that, again, you can use in your news releases or anything else, but it gives you a, a great write-up. It, um, I follow a, basically a, a standard format for it, but it really is a dynamic promo, promo for your book. The second thing you get, so you get the rights to reuse that write-up in any way you want, excerpt parts of it, whatever you want to do. But the second thing is that it is sent out to those eight to 900 bookstores that are on the list. I keep adding new bookstores all the time to that list so you can get great exposure. They have been sticking with me when I've done promos like that uh, because you know, besides the great quotes that I share about the value of reading and so on. And I give booksellers the right to reuse those quotes that are featured in my podcast. So it's a great way for them to have content that they can share with uh, their um, news in their newsletters, on their bulletin boards, etc. 
so they stick with me because they like that content. And, you know, once a week or more or less, I feature a book in a paid promotion. But they like that because, again, I'm giving them the kind of content about the book that will convince them if they, you know, if they bite, that uh, they should stock that book in their bookstore. So that's a great promotion. And you can find more information about that promo in at bookmarketingsuccess.com. My main website, and it's on the first page of the website, so you can check some of the services I offer. Again, at bookmarketingsuccess.com. Let's see, I think... Oh, I forgot to tell you about the second uh, podcast uh, website that I really love. It's called Listen Notes. ListenNotes.com. It's a wonderful website. And again, you can do a listing that features, I think it's somewhere around five or eight links to your website, your book page, your podcast, whatever you want to uh, send people to. So it's really great that way, but it's probably, I think it's the best search engine out there for podcasts to find people that are actively podcasting. And uh, again, you can do keyword searches for what you're doing. And so I really like that site and it gives you an easy way to contact the people and an easy way to find out more about that particular podcast. So I really like it. Again, listen notes.com as well as again matchmaker.fm if you learn nothing else during this time then to go see those two websites and list your podcast if you have one on those two sites you're going to get an incredible amount of traffic just from that and an incredible amount of new content from them so you know i really recommend that as a tool to you know The thing is, the key thing about selling online is creating relationships with people that already have a built-in audience for what you're doing. So this means some key websites that are talking about it, but also key podcasters that are featuring the kind of content uh, that would make a difference for you. One of my favorite podcasts out there is Guy Kawasaki's podcast, remarkable people. And if you can convince him that you're a remarkable person, he's going to feature you in an interview at some point. I've told some of my clients about it and boy, sometimes it's hard to get them to actually make the contact. But Guy is open to talking to people that are interesting. And there are several of my clients that should be on his podcast and haven't been yet because they haven't taken that step. I would recommend that you do at least one to three things every day for your book. Reach out to a podcaster, uh, reach, you know, do some research about uh, potential podcasters you would want to reach out to, things like that that would make a big difference in the marketing of your book. You'd be surprised that if you only contact two or three people a day, it could make a magical difference in the marketing of your book, and the exposure that your book receives. 
you got to target the right people. You got to reach out to them. Sometimes the best way to reach out to somebody you want to reach out to is offer to interview them on your podcast or on your website, in a Facebook Live, in a YouTube video, whatever it might be. So if you don't want to do podcasting on a regular basis, you could certainly do, uh, you know, a YouTube video, Facebook Live video, something like that, where you offer to interview them. And then ask if that, you know, once you've interviewed them, you can go back to them and say, you know, I really love talking with you. And you'll be amazed how many times when you talk to somebody, you really start to fall in love with them. I, I've had that experience with some of my podcast interviews. And hopefully they will, in turn, interview you for their podcast. And again, you can suggest it. You can ask for it. Uh, once you've started to create a relationship with them, it really makes a big difference. And the thing is that it's not just a, a one-time thing. You have to contact people again and again and again. One of the answers that I gave, and I just remembered it now, for the question about people who hate social media, I said, well, then do some real-world real world marketing. And probably the two best things you can do in real-world marketing is, one, get out there and speak wherever you can. Get invited, again, for podcasts, but also possibly for speaking engagements, things like that. The second thing you can do is to create relationships with top media, magazines. The best media, I think, are magazines and uh, TV shows. And I would look to see what TV shows are out there doing interviews of interesting people. You'll find that there are a number of them. And again, a, a third option would be to, you know, to look for the websites that do some interviews. Uh, again, uh, the person with the political romance novel. It sounds like it's probably aimed at a liberal audience because both the American president and uh, um, the West Wing were both aimed at a liberal audience or favored the liberal um, idea rather than a conservative idea. For the most part, conservatives in both of those were considered bad people. And the liberals were considered the good people. You know, so, you know, if that's what he's selling, then he would want to reach out to liberal websites like political and uh, so on. But his target audience could very well be MSNBC, CNN, or a specific show on one or more of those. Again, also possibly on CBS, uh, NBC, uh, Fox, etc. Depending again on what your content is and what you can uh, tie into. The ideal way to market to TV shows is to offer to be interviewed on a current topic. Now, the guy with the political romance novel, he might want to tie into Hunter Biden. I mean, Hunter Biden's had multiple romances, and maybe you could tie into that. And, you know, I can guarantee you that in January, February, and March, Hunter Biden's going to be in the news in a big way because the Republicans who took over the House of Representatives 
are going to uh, do some sort of uh, committee investigation of his uh, rather suspect uh, business dealings. So, you know, they may say, you know, so he should be in the news. And uh, not only for his business dealings, but probably also for uh, some of the things he's doing, he's done in the past with his romance relationships and so on. So you might find that uh, you could be, as a political romance novelist, uh, a person that could be interviewed for MSNBC, CBS, whatever it might be. So again, and you can sometimes, let's say that his book is liberal. I don't know because I haven't read it. Uh, I I would probably also go to the other side. I'd go to places like Red State and uh, Fox News and Dan Bongino radio show and podcast. Um, let's see, uh, uh, Breitbart, uh, The Blaze, etc., with a controversial pitch. You know, you'd be surprised how often uh, they link to stories that are in some way related to something in the news. And if you can pitch something that's sort of controversial, uh, maybe you say that all conservatives are bozos. Uh, you know, if you're pitching a liberal book, you might use an angle like that. And, and sort of play with it. And maybe they'd want to interview you. They might want to interview to, to destroy you, but you get to notice out about your book. And you'd be surprised how many people that might be going to some of those websites who are actually liberal and may be interested in your novel. So you, you never know. So you can play both sides sometimes on a story. <laughs> if you can think of a good angle or a controversial angle. One thing to know about magazines and TV is they're actively looking for new content uh, providers, people that they can interview or feature an article from them or something like that because they get tired of the same old, same old people. I just noticed the other day, well, actually today, I guess it was, I was watching a Gutfield, um, Gutfield uh, episode. Um, he's got a TV show on Fox, and he also uh, re-posted uh, on YouTube. And I happened to run across one episode today. And yet, for the first time, somebody that he had never had on before. And, you know... They're always looking for people that can give a new angle, a fresh approach, some sort of commentary that might be of interest to them. Uh, now, I, you know, in the few episodes I've seen of Gutfeld, I don't think I've ever seen a liberal on it. But if you give him the right pitch, he might very well be interested in you. Uh, you know, so you never know for sure but you have to reach out to them. Now, when you're reaching out to TV or even magazines, you want to pitch them once every two or three weeks. You don't pitch once and then say, oh, they didn't like my book. They didn't like my pitch. I got to give up. That's what happens with most authors and most publicists. But if you're reaching out to people 
reach out to them once, then three, two, three weeks later, reach out to them with a new pitch, a little bit different angle on the story, something like that, a funny uh, or humorous pitch on, you know, some current story. If you're writing romance novels, you could easily pitch, uh, there are celebrities getting divorced almost every week or every day sometimes, or getting married or getting uh, together for the first time and uh, becoming a new couple. Well, every one of those celebrity stories is an opportunity to pinch, pitch your romance novel. It's not that hard to do it. So those are some of the opportunities that you can do uh, in pitching to both magazines and uh, TV. I love TV because it gives you the widest exposure in the shortest amount of time. But I also love magazines because you can really target them very specifically. For example, there aren't that many uh, shows on yachting or uh, hunting and fishing, but there are an incredible number of yachting magazines, of hunting and fishing magazines, or sailing magazines, et cetera, et cetera. So you can pitch them, and they can be like a long-term pitch because most magazines only publish once a month or once every two months or even quarterly. So they you know, only have a limited amount of space necessarily. But remember this one thing about uh, magazines. They all have websites, and they all have different content on their website than they do on the magazine, in the actual published magazine. They, of course, feature everything that's in the magazine is going to be on the website, but they have a lot of other articles or contributors uh, that just uh, are posted to their website. But again, that's an incredible link back to your website because in your bio, there'll be something like John Kramer is the author of A Thousand and One Ways to Market Your Books. Check out his book at bookmarketingbestsellers.com, something like that. They will allow you to have something like that on your profile or on the articles that you write for them. And many magazines use your contributions to their website as a test market for are you going to be a, a great, somebody they should interview or feature in their magazine. And most magazines uh, feature at least one interview of somebody interesting, and they're often book authors. So why not get interviewed by them? Uh, and again, there are some websites that are not related to magazines, but have a lot, a big audience. You know, they may get a million or more people a month coming to their website. Well, those people you want to get featured if you can. And one of the things I would pitch to those uh, websites would be, um, you know, can I write an article for you uh, one time, you know, something like that. But what you would be aiming for is possibly writing a weekly or monthly Q&A call where they send in questions to you and you answer them. Again, you'd want to have the column very, very closely related to your book. That's important. Uh, you don't want to do a column about romance if you write, are writing a business book. But you might want a column, Q&A column, 
on how to succeed in business, something like that. So I've gone over time, I'm sure. So anyway, thank you for attending. Thank you for listening in. And again, I apologize that the Q&A, the live Q&A I had did not get recorded. And actually, it seemed like the meeting website wasn't working at all. Uh, So people had a hard time signing in and so on. So I apologize for that. Next time I do a QA, and a I will use Zoom because that's uh, never failed me. But again, meeting, uh, meeting.com never failed me either in the past, but it did today. Anyway, thanks. It's been an hour, uh, according to the recording. And I really appreciate those of you who listen in. If you like the content of this, you know, buy me a cup of coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash book marketing keyword. Thank you.